LinkedIn News. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. The most nervous I've ever been for an interview was in 2016. Even now, as I think about it, I feel a little like I might throw up. I was in Barcelona for a trade show called Mobile World Congress. I was set to interview Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, before an audience of about 8,000 developers and business people. And I knew this wasn't going to be a friendly audience. They didn't really get or like Facebook's approach to doing business. I also knew Mark got nervous for these kinds of things, even in the very best of situations. And I just remember beforehand, pacing back and forth in front of the bathroom mirror in my hotel room, sweating, trying to envision things going perfect, just the way that I wanted them to. I finally called a friend, and she told me, hey, you can only control the things you can control, so focus on those things. This is a key insight for anyone who's ever studied performance, and that's what we're talking about today, personal performance. How do we bring out our very best? We'll get into it after the break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Today's guest is A.K. Walker. He approaches everything in his life with the focus and drive of his earliest years, competing. Coach A.K., as many people call him, is a three-time All-American track and field star. He has coached many teams of athletes. Today, he's a different kind of coach. A.K. works with companies and institutions like Google, Raymond James, and NYU, to help people reach their goals. Most of us want things that are pretty simple. Maybe you're trying to shave a minute off your mile time or set better sleeping habits for yourself. Maybe you're chasing that next promotion. Or like me, you're backstage at a trade show in Barcelona, sweating bullets before a big interview. Today, Coach AK offers advice to set all of us on course to perform our best and reach our goals. Here's AK. A lot of the times we're thinking about, do we actually have control over our circumstances? Yes. Either do we have control over the outside world or can we control the outside world to be able to control our personal experiences? But if we say we don't have control of our situation or the environment, then we put ourselves into a fight or flight, into a motion that we are actually defenseless to the world. So the first step is actually taking ownership. Do I believe that I actually have the agency to change my current circumstance? First step is ownership. Because you can tell somebody over and over again, do this, do this. But if they internally believe, like, I don't have control of my relationship with my partner. I don't have control over this raise that I want to get a promotion. I don't have control over what's going to happen to my loved ones. Yep. All three things are things that I think many of our listeners feel and have felt on a regular basis. Um, For the sake of this conversation, let's take the question of the promotion. I want a promotion so badly. Maybe my company's in a down cycle. Maybe there aren't many available. 
I don't really feel like I have control over whether I get it. But you have to immediately identify, but what do you have control over in the process? You don't have control over the promotion, but you may have control over what would be the recommendations manager of what I would need to do to get that promotion. Yeah. You do have control over the actions that you take. So the first step for everyone that's listening is identifying what do you, in fact, have control over. That's a wonderful inventory to take. What are the things that we take for granted and so we miss on that list? I have a coach. His name is Justin Damien Furness out of Switzerland. And he talks about that these nine values that really control our lives. I don't need to go over every single one of them. But the first thing we focus on is I want to get that promotion. And then we stop there. Yeah. What he says is other things that motivate us. It might be your growth or challenges. That's what kind of motivates you. It might be contribution and higher purpose. I'm doing things for something bigger than myself. I'm doing this for connection, love, and belonging. There's, you know, six other areas. So what we often miss is, is we want the destination. We don't ever ask the question of why. Yeah. What does that end goal look like? Because how many times I've had conversations with sellers, like, I want that promotion. I really like the ability to have a lot of autonomy in what I do. I want to be in charge of my own projects. And they're currently an individual contributor in an IC. It's like, you know that if you get this particular role, that it might actually take that away of having the autonomy. Or it might be, I'm really about connection, love, and belonging in my relationships. But you realize that by taking a particular job, you might be remote. Right. And by yourself. Do most people have a pretty good sense of what drives them? No. Why not? We never take the moment to be still, mm. to be quiet. See, this is what we talk about with new technology. You know, Bard, ChatGPT will never tell you what's important, what your values are. <laughs> <laughs> right? The meaning of life for you, it won't. Yeah. That's only going to happen when we, you know, two ways, where we either get silent or we really get super really still. Yeah. Really still. Because there's so much noise of telling us who and what to be every moment of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You did something recently to help you be still. I mm. wonder if you might tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So I went on a five-day darkness retreat, meaning I was in sensory deprivation, couldn't see, pitch black whether or not I opened my eyes or closed my eyes, limited sound, and I had one meal a day so I would not be able to know what day or time it was. How did you learn about this retreat? I learned about it through a friend. I'll be, I'll be real. I was going through some personal challenges relationship-wise with my fiancé. And, you know, we had a little one. So I was just navigating through my own paths, my own struggles. Yeah. And so the relationship ended. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, I, you know, I still have all these projects I'm working on, all these things that are expected of me. But how can I be with myself and by myself? And through some other stories, with some, <laughs> but from like, I did some shamanic work. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of background to how I got there. Yeah. But it was always taking me through all of these messages time and time again, is that you'll find the answer in the darkness. Now, at this moment, there was Aaron Rodgers was out there. My, a friend said, how about you consider it? 
And so I actually did this five-day darkness retreat, not in Oregon, where a lot of people do it, but I actually went to a place called Mazunte, Mexico. Okay, I just want to stop you here and say that, well, it might be true that people in your community have some context for a darkness retreat. Um, I didn't before I met you, which is part of why I was so drawn to hear about it. Um, and I don't think that most people know that they happen in Oregon or they happen at yeah, all. Yeah. Okay, so so let's just back up a second. Okay, okay. I was just like, hey, doesn't everybody know about these darkness? I mean, come retreats? on, darkness retreat? No way, no way. But but here is why I want to explore it a little bit because the underlying idea that you are coming back to is that if we can make space to listen to ourselves, we can usually hear our right answers. Mm. Right? We mm-hmm. we we can predict our next right move. When we have the opportunity to clear out the space to truly hear ourselves, that becomes a lot more direct. And that is certainly what I took away from hearing the first time about your experience. Yeah. So so really walk us through it. So over the course of five days of being in the dark, really with yourself, were there stages? And by that, I may predict that if I were in that situation, I imagine that I might panic initially and hopefully find my way into a place beyond the panic. Yeah. Have you heard of the term equanimity? I mean, I've heard of it. Yeah. Sure. So when we think about that term, equanimity, it basically stands for the ability to manage your emotions and actions in a even-mannered way. Think of it almost like a ship on the ocean, and you have that sailor. And the sailor is saying, I'm going to be calm, whether it's calm waters or rocky waters. That's what I believe internal stillness is. Sometimes we use and we interchange it with silence. But silence would be that sailor goes out and says, I will only be calm, whoosh, if the sea is calm. Hey, driving down New York here in a cab, winded up the windows, but I can still hear the street noise. I can still hear the people talking. But when you meditate, you get centered with that self and you remove all those stimuli. Right. The only voice you start to hear is your own. And that becomes clear as day. And I always feel as though that we are continually trying to communicate through the world or understand ourselves like we're at the middle of a rock concert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's, yeah. And we always wonder, why is it so hard to find balance? Well, because we're getting so many different voices influence, stimuli, telling us what to do. Right. Um, You have really sort of mastered performance in many different areas. Has meditation always been a tool that you've used? No. No. I I just recently got into meditation. Really? Yeah. I got into meditation probably four or five years ago. The art of actually staying still, right? Taking that 20 minutes. Uh Uh-huh. When I was doing sports, I would do more, not meditation, but I'd do more stillness. Like, hey, let me just take a a walk around the track or let me listen to this song to ground myself. So I found that. But I almost probably say I started more with practicing stillness than silence. But the problem is, when I was a college student, I had very few responsibilities. Truth. I had to just go to class and I had to go to practice. But as we get older... You know, listeners, you don't only just have to go to work. You might have families. You might have aging little ones or aging parents. Yes. You might or have, both. Or both. <laughs> yeah. And so the more as we get older, 
we have more things that are pushing or moving that shit back and forth. And so I had to get more into meditation as I got into more business, as I got into more speaking, as I got into more opportunities, because I realized I can't shut down everything. Right. I'll never be able to. Right. The answer's not going to come from the outside in. This one's going to come from the inside and out. Yeah. I, my wife meditates 20 minutes every morning and 20 minutes afternoon. Transcendental meditation? Yes, she yes, does. Is that, is, that where you, yeah. is that where you started? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that in roughly four years, she's going to be in a hut in Mexico, <laughs> leaving me with the children for five days while she's in a darkness retreat? We never know. We never know. <laughs> Seriously, it has been an incredibly powerful tool for her, particularly as she had newborns at home and was trying to find her way in a pandemic and a busy work world. And I'm going to tell you something, and please tell me I'm wrong. I can't figure out how to do it. I, it's a limiting belief that I have that I am not capable of this. I just fall asleep when I sit down to meditate. Mm. Well, there's two ways to look at it. When I first fell asleep during transcendental meditation, it says, well, then maybe you need to rest. And that was your meditation. It's like you've, that first part is just taking a sleep and getting that body to recharge. And then once your body's recharged, then it's like, cool. Now we can do the 20 minutes. Uh -huh. The second piece is what we kind of talked about earlier. As I want, if we change the wording, and if we say, I can't, versus I choose not to, it actually gives you back the power. Yeah. And then it says, is why am I choosing not to meditate? If you say, I can't, it's like, hey, I can't do it. It takes away responsibility. But if you say, I'm choosing not to, I'm deciding instead, I want to do this, that, or something else, then it then allows you to say, okay, then what, what is going to allow me to choose me to start doing this more often? And it might not even be 20 minutes. It might, the micro might just be, I just want you to just put it into your calendar. Yeah. That you'll take a break for 10 seconds and take a deep breath. Or just put it into the calendar. So <laughs> you know that every single time you see that on your calendar, right. there's going to be a choice. And you're making a choice, am I choosing to slow down and take a deep breath, or am I going to choose to, we'll say, send that next email. So you're kind of introducing a micro action here. Yeah. The, the micro habit, as I will call it, is every single habit that we want to create, there is a micro habit. We'll go back to the ship example. That ship is going in one direction, going north. But the habit that we actually want to create is, or the action is for that ship to go south. Now, all of a sudden, you just crank on that wheel <laughs> and have that ship going south, things may fall overboard. It may not be sustainable. Yeah. So a microhabit would say, are you willing to go one degree to the left? Like, eh, okay, I'll think about that. I'll do that. I could do that. It makes it easier to say yes to. When I wanted to get back in shape, well, Beyonce got, she got, we were pregnant. She was expecting a new one. I gained some weight during that process. And I kept on yo-yoing back and forth, going to the gym or not. Go one day, right, have a really good workout, and then days later, I wouldn't do anything. Or a month later, I have to always feel like I was restarting over and over again. But I actually realized that if I simply didn't check my phone for the first five minutes in the morning, that it dramatically increased the likelihood of me going to the gym, of me meditating in the morning. So. Is it easier to say, okay, I just don't want you to check your phone for the first five minutes in the morning or go to the gym? I mean, I'll stick with the let's not check the phone. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so what's happening is that one degree, look, hey, now you've, you've, you've done a little bit better on not checking your phone. What happens if I said, could you put your shoes just by the door? Would you do that? It's almost like you're negotiating with that <laughs> with yourself. Like, could you do it? Like, okay, not the door, not the door, but I could do at the end of the door of the bedroom instead of the front door. Like, cool. I'm fine with that. A little, little easier. A little easier. So what I call microhabits is those sub-steps that end up leading into the action or the behavior that you want to actually end up, we'll say, mastering or making a new behavioral change. After the break, Coach AK helps us tackle anxiety. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with A.K. Walker. One of the biggest obstacles we can face can often be our own minds. Anxiety creeps in. We doubt ourselves. We get stuck in our heads AK is no stranger to this feeling, and he's developed a few grounding techniques to help make our anxieties a little more manageable. So when anxiety comes, we're either thinking about the past, right? maybe regrets of the past, or something like, I've done this race before, but I didn't do as well. Like, well, ignore that. Or it's about the future. You're focusing on the future. What happens if I win this race, either positively or negatively? But in this moment right here, as I talk to you, Jesse, we're at a table. We're having a conversation in a sound booth room. Nobody is coming in or out. So how do I get centered? What I'll tell people to do is just talk to yourself. Not like a crazy man, <laughs> crazy person. <laughs> like, oh, wait, this. But it might just be that moment of just noticing. Okay, I notice that my cap is a little bit tight because I notice that my shin is on my knee. So let me just put it down. Can I notice that my shoulders are a little bit high? So let me, let me just drop them. Okay. I notice that my heart and my breathing was a little bit fast. Let me just slow it down. So having that conversation with yourself and just identifying, being present, allows you to just 
calm that you're here. You're okay. You're safe. Everything is fine. Well, can I tell you what I'm noticing as you do that is that we're in, we're, this doesn't always happen when we record. We don't always get to record with people in real life, mm -hmm. but here you and I are in a room. Yeah. Um, and without even realizing it, I began to mirror you. So as you drew your attention to your own behaviors and calmed yourself down, you also took complete control of the room and I didn't even see it coming. And I calmed down too and found myself suddenly very receptive to whatever you had to say. You're bringing up a really important piece about habits, and that is your tribe, the people in your circle. So, you know, we're in New York right now, and I guess Wall Street's not too far, where it's always win or lose in the seconds, moving back and forth, really moving quickly. But imagine if you had another group of friends, potentially, not in a, in a busy, just that were monks. <laughs> 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 and talking about being... Slow and quiet. So what we had here, if we did this through an audio, maybe you wouldn't have been able to see it. But now what we've been able to do is when we have this, when I say this tribe is, if you have people that are calm around you, if you have people that are emulating the behaviors and the actions that you want, it's also going to make it easier for you. But you also had another thing that was pretty different that most people might actually experience. And that is about how we communicate. Most people will hear my voice. Yeah. I can cover my ears, but what you also saw was me mirroring certain behaviors. So you could have closed your eyes, but maybe still notice that he's doing something. So let me yeah. mirror it. Yeah. So for us, when we're thinking about communicating, about being calm, about creating that silence, yeah. it's knowing that the silence is not just the auditory. So many people on our show, they come from different backgrounds, different thought structures, different philosophies. Maybe they come from very corporate settings. Maybe they come from very spiritual settings. Still, so many people have this language around perhaps it's intuition, perhaps it's deep ingrained pattern recognition, um, but around knowing. Mm -hmm. And there's a part about letting go. I do a lot of work to helping people practice for the stage, practice for the meeting, get ready. And oftentimes they want to go in there and they want to read it, rehearse it. Yeah. Time and time again, rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse yeah. it. But just like improv, it's almost like the yes and or the letting go and just trusting the information's going to come. You know it. And so it's not about doing more. Like, give me the tip. Give me the more. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's actually about how do you do less? And that's what the intuition I believe is really powerful is letting go, doing less, and then just trusting. Okay. So that makes me think about a recent interview that I heard with Oprah. So in the interviewer said to Oprah, um, something along the lines of like, well, you do, how do you prepare for speeches? And she said, well, I don't. She said, I go in cold without a script every single time. I take the time to get focused on the intention of what I want to convey, and then I open my mouth and trust that I will be Oprah. Yeah. And I thought, well, how can I figure out how to open my mouth and trust that I will be Jesse? Because I've taken a lot of courses in public speaking and I still would not go in without notes, probably a script. My very first public speaking event was in this same room. Like people would be surprised that in 2016, I was afraid of public speaking. 
Yeah, that doesn't track. I was afraid of it. I was so much <laughs> afraid of it that I would write it word for word and then add in the ums and ahs to make it sound like I was doing it off the fly. <laughs> <laughs> but I was asked to do this talk for this. I was working at a school called Phillips Exeter Academy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they asked me to speak in front of my colleagues, a thousand of my colleagues. And they wanted me to do it on fear. And I said, the only way for me to actually talk to you and experience you about fear is that I actually have to do and approach it by actually doing this talk without any notes and then just showing up and talking. It went zero. I basically like turned that ship around. Extemporaneously. Yeah. And for 45 minutes, I talked to that crowd and connected with that crowd all off the cuff. And the funny thing is, it was actually one of the best talks I've ever done because there was moments when somebody's phone went off. And I'm like, oh, does Siri want to join the conversation? <laughs> there are things that happen randomly that I could just be present in this space. But another thing that makes it so powerful is if when I was writing it word for word, I was giving you two weeks ago, AK. Yeah. But when you come up on that stage, if something happened to me literally a minute before, that now became part of my story. Right. So the only way that I was actually able to do the same thing to you is like the only way to practice being Jesse is to practice being Jesse or delivering being Jesse. Yeah. No pressure or anything. No pressure. Just be. <laughs> like how do you, the only way to do it is we have to at least say, okay, let me just do this first speech or this first talk without any notes and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And you might be surprised about what's happening because what's happening is that lizard brain saying, but what happens if you mess up? Yeah. That lizard brain gets in our way a lot. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like we have gone all over the place together and we continue to come back to you. Um, this sort of like bigger reckoning with the idea of knowing ourselves well in order to have influence out in the world. Yeah. And I wonder if you might leave us with any recommendations you have for the people you work with for really how to do that. So... The first one is we have to first, step one, is take ownership that we have control over making the decisions in our lives. That might just be physically saying, hey, I believe that I have control over the actions that I take. That's step one. Step two then is asking yourself this question of, who do I want to be? Not what you wanna be or why you wanna be, but who do you wanna be in this moment right here and right now. So as I have a conversation with you, the person I want to be is someone who is calm and connected to the person in front of me. But it's just as open as I can say, I want to be the person that's the smartest person in the room and just talk and talk and talk. I have that choice, but the who I want to be in this moment is to have a conversation with you and just connect and share. And then the third step is that you also have to create space. I want you to look into your calendar, who's ever listening, and I want you to think about how much time do you set out in your calendar for time with yourself by yourself? I'm not talking about an open block. I'm talking about this is just my time to think. One minute, five minutes. And we said, I don't have, I don't have that time. Well, then instead of scheduling 55-minute meetings, make it, or one-hour meetings, schedule it as 55. If you have those 30 minutes, schedule now for 25 to create that space. And then the last step is always going to be, it's about the actions that we take. 
and how to build those habits. We identify the who, we give ourselves that space, we take that action. And I think one of the most important things that we learned in this conversation today is you don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. You don't. I actually believe that the fastest way to make a behavioral change is through your environment. It's through your tribe. That was executive coach A.K. Ikwalker, also known as Coach A.K. His book is called The Next Right Move. You can find out more about his work at akikwalker.com or just type Coach A.K. on LinkedIn. There's so much from this conversation that I'm going to be carrying forward. First off, the importance of taking ownership over what you can control. Identify it. Focus on it. It's a simple task that trains our energy in the right direction. Next up, AK introduces us to the idea of the microhabit. You might not be able to jump into a new routine in one day, but when you break it down into its simplest parts, everything becomes a lot more digestible. Lastly, self-awareness isn't just a mental thing. Being aware of your body's behavior and needs is a mindful habit we can all adopt to ground us and ease our nerves. It's so much harder to get anything done when you're anxious or stressed. We know that. So often the rest you take is a much needed step toward your goals. Join us this week for Office Hours, where we'll discuss how we bring some of these mindful practices into our everyday routines. Come share your experiences with us this Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll go live from the LinkedIn news page. If you have trouble finding us, email us at hellomonday at linkedin.com and we'll send you a link. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn News. Sarah Storm produces our show with help from Lolia Briggs. Asaf Gadron engineered our show. Joe DeGiorgi mixes our show. Our theme music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Michaela Greer is always around to help us reach our goals. Enrique Montavo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of original programming. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Jesse Hempel. We'll be back next Monday. Thanks for listening. My mom calls me Akobundu if you want to get, you know, that's my full name. I don't think you're going to be in trouble in the next hour, so we'll, we'll stick <laughs> we with... Uh, we'll stick we with don't know yet. Hey, yeah, we are only getting started. We're only getting started.